Hey, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm up. It's BFW's weekly show to go over all of the big news and events of the week. Of course, with this week being a international break, there is no Bayern Munich game, and that game against Hertha Berlin seems like eight months ago, given everything that has transpired this week. So we'll hit all the news, including a recap of Nicholas Sula making, uh, effectively making the announcement that he is leaving town, although Sula did not say it himself. The club did acknowledge that Sula told them he was not coming back. And if you listen to our flagship show, I ran with that one solo this week, uh, actually right around the time that the news broke. So uh, I covered that in detail. So with this installment of Bavarian Podcast Works, I really want to touch on where Bayern Munich goes from here. And as the news has evolved over the course of the week, I think that we have an idea now where the club's going, what the club is looking at, and what other names are out there that we've seen that really aren't realistic for one reason or another at this stage. So let's just take a quick look at the list of names and we'll see who is under consideration or who is allegedly under consideration for Bayern Munich to take the place of Niklas Sula. Now, if you're looking at outside contenders, players from outside the club, there are quite a few names that have been attached to Bayern Munich's uh, to Bayern Munich over the past few weeks. Uh, we'll start out with some of the bigger names in Juventus star Matthias Delight or Delict, sorry. I always want to say delight. And I don't know if it's like going back to, I think I was in like eighth grade when that uh, the group delight was out and they had grooves in the heart because every time I see his damn name, I want to see delight. It's almost like I want his name to be delight. So I can think about that song for whatever reason, but Matthias delict. All right. So I got it right that time. (laughs) Uh, So we have delict and then we have two Chelsea men in Antonio Rudiger and Andreas Christensen, uh, similarly, we have Bayern Munich attached to SC Freiburg's Nico Schlotterbeck. And finally, uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach's Matthias Ginter. Now, we've also seen Dennis Zakaria linked up in that mix as sort of a hybrid midfielder and center back. But I think Zakaria is not quite as realistic. So we're going to focus on the other players. And I don't think Zakaria is unrealistic because of price or anything like that. I think that Bayern Munich is legitimately going to focus in on getting another center back. I think when there was still a possibility of Sula uh, re-signing with the club, I think Zakaria might've been an intriguing option, but I think now they really are focusing on a true center back uh, and one who might be able to fill a void not just in a 4-2-3-1, but a 3-5-2 or 3-4-2-1, whatever Julian Nagelsmann wants to use, because it sounds more and more like he's going to be shifting formations from game to game, depending on the opponent. And I think we'll also still see a lot of that hybrid formation that he's been running this year. So let's take a quick look at this. We'll start out with Delict because he is obviously, to me, was always the biggest long shot. Now, there's a, a grand history between Delict and Bayern Munich, in fact, before he went to Juventus, Bayern was considered one of the primary contenders to land Delict. And I think Delict is a, a very good player. He's still young enough to where he's entering his prime. He's got a lot of talent. He's a born leader. Uh, his results at Juventus have kind of been up and down. I don't not know necessarily that uh, he's developed as much as he would like. And the rumors are that he's a little bit unhappy with his playing time. 
But the bottom line for Bayern Munich and Delict is that he'll cost too much. And that was reported by uh, Sky's Florian Plettenberg. It's just a shame that Delict will probably command somewhere around 60 million. And it's, it's really hard to think that uh, Bayern is about to spend that much on a center back at this point, especially given that they'll be losing Sula for free. That's, that's really tough. They already lost Jerome Boateng for free last year. So it, it's, a, it's a position where Bayern needs to see some return <laughs> rather than more money going out the door. So unfortunately, Delict is probably not going to be a player that Bayern will be able to consider just because of the financial reason. And similarly, Freiburg's Nico Schlotterbeck despite being a young talent, despite being probably one of the up and coming and rising players in Germany, and also being the highest rated center back in Europe at this point, uh, Byron seems to be out on him as well because the expected cost of 20 to 25 million euro is even too expensive. So when you look at Delict's cost of 60 million, and then you hear that Schlotterbeck might be out of the running because he might command 20 to 25 million, you can see that Bayern Munich is still very fiscally conscious right now. They are being conservative in what they spend and they do not want to go out and make a big investment in the center back. Obviously they spent a lot of money on Luca Hernandez and also, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Dio Upamecano. So there is a big investment there. And they also have several other warm bodies uh, around the club that they can use at center back. So with this move, if they make one, it does seem as it seems as if they're going to be targeting free transfers. Luckily for Bayern Munich, there are quite a few players that would fit that category. Now, we know that Antonio Rudiger has been linked to Bayern Munich several times over the past few months, but with Rudiger, it seems like he is almost leaning toward uh, signing an extension with Chelsea, although we do see Real Madrid often mentioned as a legitimate possibility for Rudiger to move over to. So, uh, th- that is a Rudiger is a very interesting name, and I think he potentially would be a good fit. But uh, you know, given his presence uh, with Chelsea and how important he is there, and you know, if you even consider that he would leave there, it seems like Real Madrid would be his first choice. It just doesn't look like it's going to work out for Bayern Munich. Uh, you know, one of the interesting things is Chelsea has been balking on on paying Rudiger more than eight million euro per season. Uh, Byron, of course, was offering Nicholas Sula 10 million per season. So it would seem that uh, if Rudiger was really focused solely on the money, he could move to Bayern Munich for free and get a better salary, at least uh, compared to the offer that he has now from Chelsea. But it just seems like uh, he is not uh, focused on Bayern Munich and they might not be so focused on him at this point. But it does leave a couple of interesting names in Andreas Christensen, who is in the prime of his career, who is uh, a very steady center back and one that could probably come in and fill a good role at Bayern Munich and and be a starter, or Matthias Ginter, who is kind of a lightning rod for criticism because it seems like people either value Ginter's versatility and his, uh, I guess, overall solid play, or they think he's just lackluster and don't want anything to do with him. There's really no in-between. I guess I'm one of those rare people that are kind of in between on him. I see that he has some positives. I get that he's not uh, a dynamic presence back there, but his versatility does account for something. It actually is very complementary to what Sula could provide in terms of being able to flex between right back and center back. I don't think Ginter is anywhere near as dynamic an athlete as Nicholas Sula, but Ginter definitely offers something. 
Uh, Christensen is definitely more of a traditional center back. And I think he does fit the role that Bayern Munich would want him to play. I think that he definitely could come in and provide that stability and be a, a player that Julian Nagelsmann could count on. Uh, and interestingly with Christensen, you know, we know that he's a free transfer. We know that Ginter is a free transfer. Uh, and we know that they are both right-footed, which might be a big help at this point because uh, with Luca Hernandez really locking down the left side of the center back rotation, uh, Hernandez has obviously been uh, more solid this season than Upamecano. I think Bayern would like to focus on a right-footed center back as opposed to left. Now, Schlotterbeck, of course, is more comfortable on the left side, which despite his price tag would probably also put him in the second rung of candidates for Bayern Munich. If I had to break this down and, and kind of guess and give a prediction where I think things will go, I think I'm looking at a couple of primary options here. I think Bayern Munich is going to specifically target two players. I think Christensen and Ginter are going to be those players. And I think that's mostly because uh, of their ability and what they've shown in the past couple of seasons throughout their career. Ginter obviously gives Bayern, or he would give Bayern another Germany international. He would give Bayern another uh, versatile player to use along the back line. Uh, but Christensen might have the bigger ceiling. In fact, I don't even want to say might. He definitely has the bigger ceiling. But he's also being courted by Barca and some other clubs, including Borussia Dortmund. So there are no sure things. Bayern could end up empty-handed with all of them, which would be a terrible scenario. But you have to keep in mind that Bayern also has uh, a couple of aces up their sleeve. Uh, when you talk about Chris Richards, when you talk about Lars Lucas Mai, when you talk about Tangai Nianzu, uh, if any of those players are ready to make the leap into being a Bayern Munich ready player, uh, you know, they will have the opportunity. Uh, Richards, I think, in my opinion, is probably the player most likely to break through. He's already doing it in the Bundesliga. He's been very good for Hoffenheim. And I think that he could be uh, potentially be the type of player that gets brought back from his loan and put into the rotation. The problem is, uh, how do you go from being an every game starter at Hoffenheim to taking a step back as a youngster and maybe not playing as much for Bayern Munich? And that's something that the player is going to have to weigh. That's something that the club is going to have to weigh. But in the end, how you replace Sula, simply put, is you don't. You can't replace someone who brings that mix of size, speed, agility, versatility, and strength. He is just a, a really rare dynamic center back. And I know a lot of people were down on him last year. A lot of people have criticized him over his fitness, which I've always said was a joke. Um, but, you know, this is a serious matter for Bayern Munich. And it's not something that, you know, that the club should take lightly. Uh, for as good as Christensen can be, for as good as Ginter can be at times, neither player um, can really effectively replace what Sula brings to the table in terms of physicality and his physical skills. So I don't know how this is going to break up. I would say the leader in the clubhouse right now for Bayern is probably Ginter. I would say Christensen is a close second. If Christensen is able to ward off the offers from other clubs, he could jump over Ginter. But those are the two that I think Bayern Munich will eye right now. It wouldn't shock me if Brazo rallies the troops and decides to splurge on Delict, but everything we're seeing right now is Byron does not want to spend money. We do know that Brazo likes Delict. 
We know about their long history and, and the courtship the first time around. But it's really hard, as many of you commenters on BFW have said, to think that Byron's going to go out and splurge on another center back. It just doesn't seem likely. Uh, and, and that's, un, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. So Julian Nagelsmann, his tactical, you know, his tactical awareness and his strategy, they're all going to be tested now next season. I think for this year, you know, he's going to work with the cast that he has. And I think he's got a great cast to work with. This is an excellent roster. But uh, next season, he's going to be tested. It won't be so easy. There could be many changes on this roster. And, you know, for me, it's always going to be interesting to me to see how his formation evolves. So uh, I'm very fascinated by what next year brings, but I'm going to enjoy this season first because I think the potential of this season is really still untapped for this group because I think they are that good together. But it will be a shame to see Sula go. And how Bayern Munich replaces him uh, is going to uh, it's going to be key. It's it's going to be an, a vital acquisition. Um, you know, I, I haven't you know throughout this season in watching Dio Upamakano, you know, I, I've been impressed at time, impressed at times, and other times I've been disappointed. I think he's been pretty good. I don't think he's been great. I think Luke Hernandez has been really good. I think Sula has been really good. But Upamakano, in my mind, as I've said a few times, is a step below them right now. It doesn't mean he can't get there. It just means right now, um, you know, he's got some issues within his game that I think really prevent him from being at the level of Sula and Hernandez. It's no knock on him. He's still a very good player, um, but he still has some room for growth and he has uh, he has some areas for improvement with his, in his game. And that's going to be just as vital to Bayern Munich as whoever they acquire. You know, the other trump card they have is moving Benjamin Pavar into center back full-time, which could happen. But for whatever reason, and, and I could be reading this, this whole situation wrong with Pavar, it seems like this is another circumstance where he could be a player that surprisingly leaves in the summer. Uh, and I know he's caught a lot of heat uh, from fans. And, uh, you know, sometimes he has looked poor on the pitch but there there is only I think there have always been extenuating circumstances with him and as I've theorized many times is he is a guy that comes back from injury too fast and his performance suffers for it and that's that is ultimately on him he has to be better at identifying when he is at 100% versus when he is at 85% and that makes a huge difference when playing in the Champions League or the Bundesliga or wherever Uh, but Whatever happens, Pavar will be another name that's in the mix and his future and what his decisions are over the summer could play a big role in perhaps what Bayern Munich wants to invest. So there are a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of possibilities. As Bayern Munich fans, uh, people are going to have to be patient to see how this plays out. Of course, I'm saying that and watch them sign, watch them sign a pre-contract with someone in the next few hours before this podcast is released. Uh, but you know, it's going to be fascinating. We're going to be covering it all at BFW and I'm sure we are going to be pulling our hair out because it seems like this is just going to be, uh, one crazy set of rumors after another. But I think at this stage, uh, Bayern Munich definitely has a smaller field of players that they're focused on and what happens between now and the summer will really help determine who exactly they go after. Oh, man, that's a lot to unpack, but it, it's, you know, 
I still would love for Sula to uh, to be able to work something out, but you know, as we've seen this week, that's probably not going to happen. So, one of the other big stories of the week was uh, really revolving around Robert Lewandowski and Erling Haaland and how their futures are intertwined. Uh, it is just kind of funny. And I've always been the why not both guy. Um, and I'm still that guy. I would love to see them claim together because I think they would be awesome. Uh, just they, they both have such good and unselfish parts of their game for being two strikers who are solely focused on scoring. Somehow they are facilitators as well. Uh, so I think they would be a great fit, but probably won't happen. Anyway, uh, what we look at when we, when we see stories with Holland and Lewandowski is that if, you know, if Robert Lewandowski decides he's going to move, Bayern Munich is going to fund uh, a move for Erling Holland with the money that they make off of Robert Lewandowski. And, and that has been theorized at 60 million, uh, which, I, you know, there's been some debate on the BFW site about how much Lewandowski is worth. And I think to fans, yes, of course, he's worth way more than that. But realistically in this market, in a pandemic, uh, at 34 years old, which I think he'll be in August, uh, 50 to 60 million is about all he's going to command. Bayern Munich could hold out for more if they absolutely had to sell Lewandowski, which I don't think they want to do. Uh, but I, I don't think that there will be clubs willing to pay much more. And it's not because his talent is going to drop. It's just because how can a club uh, like Real Madrid or Barcelona or PSG, even you know clubs with deep pockets, how can they assess a 34-year-old who is even in peak physical condition and say uh, he's not going to be subject to breaking down like so many other players have. Sure, we see Messi and we see Ronaldo and we see them as they age. And, you know, their games might take a step back, but it's nothing too drastic. But then you see other players who fall off the table. And it's not to say that Lewandowski is going to do that. I don't think he will. But there are a lot of instances throughout history where players start to drop off. And, and those instances are what other clubs look at. And... I do think that 50 to 60 million would be about Byron's return. Now it could be a little more. I don't think it would be less than 50. Obviously anyone who gets him is getting the best player in the world. So good for them. But, you know, this all really hedges on whether Robert Lewandowski wants to stay at Bayern Munich and what he's willing to accept. I don't think the club has a steadfast rule any longer about signing one-year extensions. We, of course, saw that in the Bayern documentary on Amazon Prime that the club had a rule, but, you know, as they discussed and we got to see, there are exceptions to every rule. And once that rule was broken, um, you know, there was no going back. So I think at that stage, Bayern will probably explore a two-year deal. The question is, does Robert Lewandowski want a three-year deal, which I could totally see. And there's no reason to think he should doubt himself in being physically ready to be able to, to play for three more seasons after this, uh, or actually after 2023. He is that dynamic, and, and his condition is is unreal. So there's no reason for him to think that. But let's just suppose that happens. One of the big counter arguments we see is, oh, there's no way Byron's going to pay a salary. Well, the salaries that the salary we've seen floated for Holland is about 24 million euro per season. That would be about a wash with Lewandowski. So if Byron was to go after Holland, I don't think salary would be an issue. 
the release clause is rumored to be anywhere from 70 million to 85 million. We've seen a, a ton of different figures. Again, if you're getting a return on Lewandowski of 50 to 60 million, you can pony up and put up the rest to get the next best option to be your striker in Holland. So I don't think that's an issue. The final argument that we've seen is that, oh, Bayern Munich's not going to pay his dad. They're not going to pay Mino Raiola. Yeah, those are great points, but it, it really remains to be seen if those exorbitant demands are going to be met, one, by any club on earth at this point. Uh, I mean, Holland's dad wanting a sperm donor <laughs> essentially is ridiculous. I, I, I mean, I can't see anyone agreeing to pay that. I don't know why Holland wouldn't just put his old man on the payroll when he's going to make $24 million per season, not including all of the endorsements that he will no doubt be raking in over the next few years. And I don't know how much Rayola is going to be able to command other than his normal agent's fee, because who, who again, is going to pay all this right now? Sure, you could look at Chelsea or PSG, but does Holland want to play at those places? Do Barca and Real Madrid, do they have enough in the tank to pull together that kind of money? I, I don't know. And is, is Madrid even going to take its focus off of Kylian Mbappe enough? to make a pursuit of Holland. So there are so many variables. I wouldn't rule out Bayern Munich being the next uh, destination for Erling Holland. As I've said many times, my theory is that Holland wants to play for Bayern Munich and he's kind of waiting to see what happens. With Robert Lewandowski. So for me, I- I'm hoping to see them both. I know I probably won't, but uh, you know, it would be a whole hell of a lot of fun. And if, the unfortunate thing happens where Robert Lewandowski does decide to move on. It is the only logical step for Bayern Munich to make a full court press and get Erling Haaland. And I'll stick by that. That is the only player I would want to replace Lewandowski. Everyone else would be a letdown. (sighs) So those are two very unfortunate stories, right? Where we're talking about two, two players I would have thought had a chance to retire as Bayern Munich players and Nicholas Sula and Robert Lewandowski could both potentially leave the club this summer. It's crazy to think like that. On the bright side, if you are a Quarantan Tolisso fan, you might be feeling a little bit better about his status at the club because it seems like both sides here want to get a deal done. And I do think Leon Goretzka's recurring injuries and the little nagging injuries that he's racked up over the years have scared Bayern Munich just a bit. Now, It is crazy with Goretzka because he's such a talented and good player and and he's so dynamic from that position that when he's healthy, he needs to be on the pitch. Absolutely. But when he's out, which is way more often than I think the club or fans would like, Byron needs to have a, 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 a legitimate player there. And Tolisso is that. I think Tolisso is too talented to stick around to be a third wheel in the midfield. I really do. I think he's, regained that explosiveness that he was missing over the past two seasons. And of course, you know, we always talk about one year after an ACL. Well, Tolisso did need to, he absolutely needed to. This is the first season where he's really started to look like himself again. Uh, And if I was him and I was a player in my prime, probably looking at my last big contract, I'm probably trying to max it out. I'm probably trying to ensure that I'm going to have a starting job and that I get a chance to play after having so many injury riddled years for Tolisso though. He may be one of these players like Kingsley Coman, who is just comfortable in Bavaria. And if he is more power to him, he gets, he will get the chance to probably determine his future. 
that would be bad news for Marcel Sabitzer. That would be bad news for Mark Roca. Uh, it could be bad news for Paul Vonner. We don't know. Uh, Vonner, of course, is more of an attacking midfielder, but you know, Byron right now seems to have about a million players that they will be playing centrally in the hybrid uh, formation that Julian Nagelsmann runs. So uh, for Tolisso, I think he's going to have some big choices to make. I think that Bayern Munich is going to make him a good offer and pay him starters money. I don't think he'll quite, I I definitely don't think he will be in the upper echelon of the pay scale based on what they'll offer him, but it will be a very generous offer. Whether he takes it or not will be fascinating to see play out because I do think if he went to many other clubs in Europe, he would be a bonafide starter and he would be able to make the same money, if not more. So that will be another situation where we look at the player, what his possibilities are for starting at Bayern Munich, and then what his other possibilities are in Europe. And I think that Tolisso, in the end, uh, it's really just going to have to come down to his preference for whether he wants to be with Bayern or whether he wants to be somewhere where he's going to have a guaranteed starting role. And finally, in terms of the roster, uh, disaster that is going on. We did see that uh, Alexander Nubel's representatives were contacted and finally told that Bayern Munich will be working to sign Manuel Neuer to an extension. And the big cutoff for Nubel is that if Manuel Neuer signs a deal that keeps him at Bayern Munich through 2025, Nubel will then look to move on formally with a transfer. If it's anything before 2025, though, Nubel said he would be open to extending his loan another year and then moving to Bayern in 2025 to take over for Neuer, you know, working under the assumption that Neuer actually cedes his position at that point, which it, who knows? I mean, Neuer might be able to play until he's 50 at this stage. He's been so good. So I think that um, this will be another situation where we look at Bayern Munich and their overall strength as a club. And, uh, you know, this is a player they invested in in terms of salary. They didn't pay any transfer fee for Nubel, but uh, he was a player that was expected to be part of the next generation. And he could be yet another player who had those high expectations, but will will unfortunately maybe have to apply his trade elsewhere. So all of this news, all of these transfers, there are so much that could happen between now and the summer, but it does seem as if, you know, Brazo, and Herbert Heiner and Oliver Kahn have set up all of these dominoes and they're going in a million different directions. And once one of them falls, it's going to set off this chain reaction that could go a million different ways. And as fans, you're going to have to sit there and watch it all play out and hope like hell that the club actually has a plan (laughs) that works and that they can implement and that can provide them the type of roster that Julian Nagelsmann can work with to keep them as a Champions League contender season after season. So that's about it for what we'll cover on the transfer front and the big news of the week. Uh, I did finally finish the Bayern Munich documentary, so that was great. So I'll give you my quick synopsis of that. Uh, I thought it was excellent. It was really well done. And it wasn't just behind-the-scenes footage. And I know this is all late, right, because nearly everyone has watched this by now, but I'm always late to the game. But I will say that it was done so well in that it incorporated, yes, that behind the scenes footage that everyone wanted, but a lot on the club's history. And it really delved deep into some important figures 
that have a strong historical basis with the club, including Ole Honus, who I thought they did a really good job telling his story. Uh, of course, we got a lot on Gerd Muller and Franz Beckenbauer, just so many Karl Heinz Rummenigge, how they incorporated everything and how they seamlessly transitioned from the present to the past to even some forward-looking portions of the show while also keeping you entertained and giving you really the behind-the-scenes action that I think everyone wanted to see. I thought it was really well done. And, and you know with these sports documentaries, uh, they can either be super interesting or they can really miss the mark. And more often than not, the people that are producing these shows can give you enough to keep you interested and really keep you engaged throughout the process. And that's what Amazon prime was able to do with this documentary. Uh, I thought it was just excellent. And uh, I couldn't say enough good things. It was really interesting to see uh, how Hansi flick addressed the team and how he told them he wasn't coming back. And to see the genuine disappointment from the players and the reaction of the players, uh, it really, I think, justified a lot of the things that I was thinking at the time when I was seeing this. And, you know, it, it makes you really understand and realize the day-to-day world that these players go through. Yes, they are playing a game. They're getting paid handsomely to play that game. And, you know, they have good relationships with their teammates, their coaches, the front office. But in the end, the behind the scenes football business is something they all have to know and accept when they take those jobs and to see how they took it and, and see how they reacted. And it, it was just incredible to me to see all that. And uh, one thing that really struck me was the reaction of Joshua Kimmich. Um, you know, it was almost as if he was disappointed, but then also uh hopeful that he would get to work with Hansi Flick once again. And of course he was because Flick moved on to the DFB and is now the head coach of Germany. But uh, to see how Kimmich reacted and to see his, to get his thoughts on it and to see just the, honestly, some of the pain we saw in some of the players' voices, like Robert Lewandowski looked like he was legitimately concerned, confused, frustrated, um, that's the kind of thing that you hope to get out of this, to get that inside look at the players and, and, and the club. And as much as I thought I was going to come away from seeing that whole situation play out with Flick, and granted, we didn't see 99% of the, the things that probably caused the disagreements. We got to see kind of the outcome of that uh, fractured re- relationship between Hansi Flick and Brazo. Um, you know, but having the chance to to kind of see that fall out and then seeing Brazo, I really anticipated coming out of this thinking Brazo was going to come across as really just an arrogant ass, but he really wasn't. Uh, He actually seemed genuine. Flick seemed genuine. The frustration Flick had with having to address everything through the media was incredible to see because, you know, Hansi Flick always handled himself so well And to see that, you know, he hated working with the media so much because he just wanted to coach. He loved everything about his job except working with the media. And to see that pain when he had to go through and he he couldn't address things when he just wanted to get it over with. Um, And it was so good. And I couldn't recommend that enough. It is a must see for any Bayern Munich fan. There were so many good parts to it. 
including how things evolved with Julian Nagelsmann and how he was hired and what the expectations were and the complications. It, it was just excellent. So if you haven't seen it and you're late to the game like I was, I highly recommend it. So now I will now I will transition on to catching up on Boba Fett, finally watching Cobra Kai, and then somehow squeezing in Ozark. I think I'm going to tackle catching up on Boba Fett and Cobra Kai simultaneously, and then we'll move on to Ozark. Huge fans of uh, I'm a huge fan of all three of those so far. Boba Fett, I mean, the book is still going to be written for me on this. I've only seen a couple of episodes, so I need to to really get moving on that, but. When it comes down to Ozark and it comes down to Cobra Kai, I've been a huge mark for both of those. So looking forward to that. And that'll wrap it up for the weekend warm up. And unfortunately, there's no game to look forward to. So all you really have to look forward to now is drinking some beers and hopefully doing it in a safe way and maybe passing out on your couch like I plan to at some point this weekend. Uh, so have a good one. As always, catch me on Twitter at The Barrel Block. Get our site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get the social media master, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. Uh, <laughs> and you can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. And if you're hearing like some paper being ripped up in the background or anything like that, it's it's the puppy I have ha- has this new habit of jumping up and stealing paper and then ripping it apart. So if you've heard any of that, that was her and I apologize for it, but Really can't control that at this point. But uh, have a great weekend. Uh, Check BFW for the latest news and uh, opinions and commentaries. We love interacting with you, and we will see you next time.